How is everybody today? Glad that you're here. I think winter might actually get started here, which is, uh, I'm glad that January was so mild, but always disappointed when winter actually comes. Anybody else live in Illinois and wonder why? Yeah, every winter it's like, what are we here for, you know, and how did our ancestors survive? But um, we're glad to be a part of this He Gets Us movement um, and and kind of doing our own teaching series to go along with it. You've probably heard about it or seen it at this point, just the idea of uh, recognizing that Jesus is God, the Son of God, but he became man, and, and how does that impact our life? How we relate to God, how we relate to each other. You know, we talk as a church about being real with God, being real with each other, and being real in the world. And so having a Lord and Savior who loves us, gave himself up for us, and then lets us know that he gets us is a game changer. So that's what we're doing with this series. I just got to say, Allie, the girl, I don't know if you know Allie or not, she read the announcements this week. She's an intern at our Manuka campus and just an awesome, awesome girl. Love getting to know her. Yeah, she's got some friends here. Uh, she's just a really cool story. Uh, her family did not go to church. She kind of came to church and came to Christ all on her own as a young adult, old teen, whatever in that area. And um, since then, just gave her life completely to God, decided she wants to serve God and is, is trying to, you know, just she loves kids and loves teaching kids about God. And so just one of many cool stories at our church of people who you know, whether they grew up in church or not, whether they came with their family or not, find God for themselves and give him his life, uh, give, give him their life. So hopefully that's your story too, maybe in a little bit different way. But if you're here today and you're like, I'm not a Christian, I've never called Jesus my God or my King or my Savior, then uh, we just want to say you're super welcome to be here. You don't have to fake it to try to fit in or, you know, claim you believe things that you're still questioning. We just want you to feel comfortable here. We hope that this is a great place to not only make great friends, but to uh, ask questions about faith, hear what we believe from Scripture, and um, we do have an agenda. We hope that every person we know eventually comes to recognize their need for a Savior and put their faith in Jesus as, 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 as their Savior. If that's not you yet, then we'll give you all the time you need, but we hope that you eventually decide that for yourself. For the rest of us, we're like, hey, that's why we're here. We come to worship our risen King. He saved me from my sins. He created the world. He deserves my attention, and that's why we come on Sundays. And so as we're in this series, He Gets Us. Today, um, you know, we've talked about how Jesus came. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. It's kind of like we only get it enough to say that we kind of get it. Well, I don't think until we meet him face to face will we understand all that that actually means. But uh, as mind-boggling as it is, as untrue as it seems like they can almost contradict, we just proclaim that as truth. There's a lot of things that seem like they're true at the same time, and we just have to give God the idea that he's bigger than us and he can make things work that we can't make work. It's kind of like my wife trying to help my junior high kids with their algebra homework, right? She's like, I just don't know how to make it work, but I trust that it makes sense to you guys. So um, as we've been looking at how God was human and how he suffered and, and things like that, today we're going to talk about how Jesus was baptized, okay? And if you read the scriptures, you'll see right at the beginning of Matthew and, and these other gospel writers that Jesus went ahead and got in line when John the baptizer was, you know, dunking people in the river. And, and it's almost kind of a funny story because why did Jesus need to get baptized? Why, why would he want to get baptized? And so we're going to look at that story and just the truth. But the first thing it brings to mind is how it's just neat to see if you read scriptures, you'll never find a spot where Jesus says one thing and does something else. He's never, ever hypocritical. He always 
practices what he preaches. Everything that he asks us to do or tells us to do, he does as well. He, and he leads by way of example, even down to being baptized, right? And so it, I don't know if you grew up going to church or what kind of church you went to. We've got all kinds of um, traditions when it comes to what baptism is. And so I want to explain what we see in Scripture with Jesus' baptism, what we believe as a church about baptism, and, and just kind of get us on, on page with that. So, um, but this idea is he'll never ask us to do something that he doesn't do himself. So he gets in line to get baptized, and he tells us to get baptized, and that's why we say we follow him into baptism. We follow him into the water. We participate with him in baptism because it's what he did to lead by example. And I love this because I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I would make up silly games and you know, pressure kids. I would always take advantage of peer pressure to get them to do weird things. And so, but I always had this conviction that I can't have a kid... I can't make a kid, you know, in front of a crowd of peers pressuring him to do something that I wouldn't do myself. So as I made up weird games, I thought, I always got to have experienced or be willing to try anything that I... So, like, I made up this game where you got huge points for, like, your small group if, if you did certain things, and there's all different levels, and one of them was swallowing live goldfish. And, because, you know, that's a thing. And so I was like, all right, this is awesome, because it's not just that I'll lose the game. My whole team loses out, and I'm... Rep- so, like, I know... And, but then I remember thinking, I've, I've heard about that. I've never experienced it. So I went over, you know, to PetSmart or whatever, bought some goldfish, and I'm like, don't mind me. Just need a pet for an hour. And... And I go home and I'm like, bottoms up, because I can't ask a kid to eat a goldfish, you know, and then get letters from mom or whatever. So at least I could tell mom in an email, like, don't worry, I did it too, you know. And so we went ahead and did that. I made up a game, and by the way, Jimmy Fallon since copied my game. This is a long time ago where uh, I called it boiled or spoiled. And uh, you might have a hard-boiled egg or a raw egg, and it was going to get crunched on your head. So he, he copied my idea and made it more famous. But in my version, we actually had a guy in a chicken mascot, head-to-toe costume, and some hillbilly music, and you get to pick, like, Russian roulette, but then he smashes it on your head. And I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. We did it for a parent night. It was so fun. And, but I remember thinking, I've never smashed eggs on my head. It doesn't sound like it should hurt, but what if it hurts more than I thought? And what, which would hurt worse, like the cracked shell or, like, the hard egg? So I boiled up some eggs, and I went out in the front yard with cherry, and it's like, I can't do it myself because we're going to do it to these poor, you know, victims, and so you got to do it to me. So she's like, what are the neighbors thinking when we go out in the front yard, and, and I'm like, here, take a raw one. She's like, boom, you know, and I'm like, here, now take a hard boy. And I'm like, i got to feel it. i got to experience it myself if I'm going to make kids do it. And we went ahead and did with it, and it, it was awesome. So Jesus always does what he says. He always does with us and for us, ahead of us, what he asks us to do. Think about it. He tells people to forgive and he forgives. He tells people to love their enemies, and he loves his enemies. He tells people to pay their taxes, and there's even a story where it shows that he pays taxes. I mean, he, he never gets out. There's no religious exemption with Jesus. He never claims, like, I'm above you guys. You know, I'm a man, but I'm also God, so I don't have to. He always does what he asks us to do. He tells us to be willing to take up our cross, and we watch him take up his cross and laid on his life on our place. He's never hypocritical. It's just one of the coolest things about Jesus. And so, if you brought a Bible and you want to open up to Matthew chapter 3, we're going to just read, it's a short little passage, a little story, talking about when Jesus gets baptized. And actually, uh, Luke and, and John mentioned the same event, but uh, I want to look at Matthew this week and, and what he says about the story of Jesus being baptized. Now, he's actually first cousins with John who we call John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. This guy baptized people so much that it became like his nickname, right? 
And uh, he was actually sent ahead of Jesus to tell people that the Messiah was coming. So he's a little bit older than Jesus. His life was like dedicated to God. He was like this miracle baby that the parents should have never happened. And, and his whole point was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he's telling people there is a king coming, there's a Messiah coming, a savior that you need. You need to repent of your sins. And then he sees Jesus one day. He's like, there he is. That's the Messiah. Stop following me. Start following. And he had been baptizing people, basically people saying, I'm guilty of sin. Baptize me, the baptism of repentance. John could not forgive their sins, but he was, you know, according to God's calling, baptizing people uh, who are expecting this Savior. And one day, Jesus, the Messiah, gets in line. And this is the story that we see in chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Okay? But John tried to talk him out of it, which is, uh, think about how funny that would be. We're going to talk about that in a second. John says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Verse 15, but Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, and this is weird scene, I think Matthew and the other gospel writers try to try to tell us, but I don't think they can describe it really well. But here's how they, their, best, their best effort, you know, in their descriptive essay here. Uh, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Okay? This is an incredible scene that Jesus gets in line. He's going to get baptized because he says we should get baptized, and he never doesn't do it himself first. He would eat the goldfish if he asked you to eat a goldfish, right? And so, uh, and then John's like, wait a minute. And then, and then afterwards, it's this crazy thing where, like, I don't know what it means that the heavens were opened up. I don't know if it was a cloudy day and they all of a sudden went away, or if it was something even crazier, you know, but it was noticeable. And, and they saw, they're trying to describe it, and, and like, but they knew that's the Holy Spirit falling on this one person and then they hear an audible voice and they know it's the voice of God saying this is my son in case you didn't believe John the baptizer I'm telling you straight myself crazy scene and um it's just crazy that Jesus would get baptized right because he's God he's perfect he's sinless he didn't have sin to repent of he didn't need forgiveness but he still gets baptized and and then he tells John, like, this is right. This is what's supposed to happen. This is to fill what God said. And so I think at least part of it is the idea that he's making this connection between baptism and the actual resurrection. It's like a precursor, that this idea that you go under the water, like being buried in a grave, and you come out raised to new life, right? Romans chapter 6 talks about the correlation of Jesus' actual death burial and resurrection to what baptism symbolizes and represents, that you go under the water and you are raised to new life. We believe that when you give your life to Jesus, you ask him to forgive you for your sins, that he actually forgives you for your sins. He gives you his Holy Spirit and we live a new life. Paul says in Galatians, it's no longer me who's alive, but Christ lives in me, that we're given new life. We're made new creations. And so Jesus gets baptized. I think that's at least part of it. And I love when it says John tries to talk him out of it. You know, how would you feel 
If you're just like serving one day at church, I don't know, you know if you're on the coffee team or holding the door or, or working in the nursery or with the kids, and Jesus just sits down and he's like, yeah, I'll listen to your Bible story. Go ahead, teacher. Wouldn't you feel a little like, oh man, I feel like you should be given the lesson, you know? Like, I'm teaching red-lettered words that you said in. Like, how awkward would it be for John? He'd be like, okay, I think you should be the one baptizing me. And Je- Jesus has to convince him of it. Like, I just think that's a funny, and they're cousins too, so I don't know if that makes it a little less awkward or a little bit more awkward, but, you know, their family's probably had dinner and stuff like that, and, and uh, Jesus just gets in line, and John's like, whoa, this seems backwards. And it does seem backwards. It seems like, and all of a sudden, John got out of the way, and Jesus took over, because he's Jesus. But no, he's like, this is how it's supposed to be. It's kind of like, um, only a couple times have I tried to buy clothes for my wife for, like a, for a gift, right? Because like, I can't even dress myself. I need her help to get dressed almost every single day. I just wear what's in the closet because she picked it out to begin with. And, and so, but I'm like, well, she likes clothes. I'd like to get her clothes. But I go shopping. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know sizes. I don't know colors. I don't know what she already owns. And so I'm like, you could take it back. You probably hate it. I probably did a terrible, like, I, I just feel like you should be buying clothes for me. Now I'm buying clothes for you. This is a silly example of how John feels when Jesus gets in line. He's like, you should be baptizing me. And, and you want me to baptize the son of God? This doesn't make any sense, but Jesus talks him into it. And Jesus says, this is right. This is to carry out all that God requires. Okay. And so I just want to show you a little bit what we take away and and what we do in practice because of what we believe from what scripture says. And the first one is we baptize with a full dunk because that's how Jesus did it. Right. I don't know your tradition. Uh, Some people sprinkle, some people pour. What we believe is if we got enough water, We're going to get you all the way wet, right? Because they literally got in a river and got all the way wet. And we want to do it the way Jesus did it, right? Also, the Greek word, because the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, is called baptizo. And it's actually, the literal translation is to dip or to dunk or to immerse, right? And so we feel like the way they wrote it and the way we see them practice it is they dunk people all the way under. So when we do baptism, we dunk people all the way under. We're not like... um, sacrilegious or, you know, like over the top about it. Like we always say, if you were in some country or prison or someplace where there wasn't enough water, you pour or sprinkle or whatever you got and and God will cover the rest. It's not like some legalistic, you did it wrong if you can't, but we feel like as long as we got enough water, we do the full dunk uh, because that's what the word means. And that's the way Jesus did it. Okay. Uh, We baptize with other believers. Because that's the way Jesus did it. Think about it. Jesus, like, if anyone could baptize themselves, it was Jesus. And he was cousins with John. He could have got, like, a, you know, after hours special or something. But he doesn't. He gets in line, and he's with all the other people. Pastor Errol says it like this. Jesus' baptism was public on purpose. He could have done it another way. He probably didn't need to do it to begin with, as far as we can tell, because he didn't have anything to repent of. But um, his baptism was public on purpose. And we do the same thing. Whenever we do baptisms, we, we do them during our services because we want everyone to see and hear and celebrate that this was something that Jesus did with a bunch of other people so they could see and hear and cheer each other on and celebrate God's work in someone's life. So when we do it, we try to get you know a little bit of someone's story represented so they can see I'm a life that's been changed by God, and I want other people to know it. And when we do baptisms, we cheer and we clap. We try to make a big deal about people following Jesus because he changed their life and they're following him in obedience. And so um, that's how we do baptisms because that's, that's the way Jesus did it. Also, we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
Because that's how Jesus did it, right? If, if you read that story that we read, it says the Holy Spirit showed up and then God shows up and he went out of his way to make it like everyone saw it and everyone heard it and, and no one could mistake it that all three persons of the Trinity, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, uh, all three persons were there at the same time involved in this somehow. And I don't think Matthew had, you know, the right languages to, to describe exactly how it looked but everybody there saw it, and he tries to give us a glimpse of how powerful it was. And so that's why whenever we baptize someone, we literally say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's not because we're like super, you know, um, overly religious and we talk funny. We're just really trying to do it the way that Jesus did it and the way that he tells us to do it, that all three people of the Trinity uh, were, were part of it, and so that's how we do it. Also, we baptize believers because that's how Jesus did it, right? Um, and that's how the New Testament church did it. If you read the story of Acts in the early church, it, it, it's clear to us that they baptized people who had made a decision to believe in Jesus as their Savior. Now, a lot of different tra uh, traditions and churches might baptize babies, and, and, they've got, and they could probably try to explain to you why. As we read Scripture, we, we don't see that. In fact, if you look at church history, it was probably 300 years later before babies were baptized. Part of the reason was, you know, the Roman government hated the Christians, and then they started to respect the Christians, and then one of the emperors became a Christian, and he said everybody has to be a Christian, and that's where the connection of, you know, church and state first started, and, and so then it was like, you're going to baptize everybody, we're just going to get it out of the way, you know, we're going to, and it just has grown since there as a tradition, and I really believe the heart of people that do that is right on because they're trying to honor God with what they believe is good. We don't think it's sinful or, or wrong or anything like that. We're not judging people for doing that. Also, some people believe that you have to be baptized to be saved. In fact, all it takes is being baptized. So some newborn against their will, you know, apart from them even being aware of it, we're going to just baptize them real quick because that way at least we know they'll, their soul will live in heaven. And if you really believe that, man, I would be baptizing strangers, right? I mean, we, that's all it took and that's what we believed. I don't blame any, you know, grandma or whoever else pressures you because if that's what you believe being salvation, you would do whatever it takes to get people baptized and saved. We don't see that in scripture. We see that Jesus already understood who he was and what he was about and who his father was. Uh, these people in line were, were at least teenagers or grown-ups that were recognizing their need for a savior. Uh, in the early church, we see that people would believe in Jesus and make their own decision to be baptized. And so we call it believer's baptism. Uh, we get a lot of people that grew up with different traditions and say, well, I was baptized as a baby, you know? Uh, at least I got the pictures. I didn't remember it, but it, it happened. So should I still get baptized again? And we say... Yes, we would love for you to make your own decision as someone who says, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christian, he saved me from my sins, I want to follow him into baptism. But we don't think it like undoes anything that your parents met. We actually feel like if your parents or grandparents you know, or godparents wanted to baptize you as a baby, it was because they wanted you to know and follow God, and they probably love that you've, you're going public with your faith to say, I know and follow God, and this is how I do it in my tradition. So we have a lot of people who get baptized as babies, and then as believers, whether they're 10 years old or 110 years old, when they make their decision, they go ahead and get baptized. So we baptize believers. Here's a story from the early church. In Acts chapter 2, this is the very beginning. You know, Acts chapter 1, Jesus is like, I'm going to use you guys to change the world, and I'm out of here. And then Acts chapter 2, um, they're filled with the power of his Holy Spirit, and Peter preaches like the first sermon on record. And 3,000 people 
give their life to Jesus. It's, it's this incredible, powerful story of revival of people who need a Savior, recognize their, their sin problem, and put their faith in Jesus. And at the end of that long story, it says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 of them were added to their number that day. I don't know what would happen if 3,000 extra people came to church next week. We would at least need two services. We, I mean, there's a lot of empty chairs in here, but there's not, I, I don't know how they, what they did with all of a sudden 3,000 people, like, boop, you know, sign me up, I'll, I'll see you next Sunday, I'm coming to your church now, right? That's an incredible story. But it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And so we believe in baptizing believers. We call believers baptism. It's for people, young or old, who have, so there's no age limit. It's not like you've got to be 13 or you've got to be 21 or, you know. We just think if you've actually understood salvation and given your life to Jesus, then you make the decision to get baptized. We are all for that. That's what we see with Jesus. That's what we see in the early church. With that, we believe that baptism does not save you. Uh, we don't think that it's magical water that literally washes your sins. That's a great symbolism, you know, like ceremonially, the idea that our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus, but it's not the water. It's Jesus' death and resurrection that saves us from our sins, and we never want to give up that. Symbolically, it's cool to think about how I was guilty and I've been washed clean by Jesus, but it's not magical water. And so if you don't actually give you know, your life to Jesus and really mean it, you can do all the cannonballs into the baptism tank you want. You're not saved. We, we don't think there's anything magical about that. We don't think you know, being baptized is what saved you. Now in Scripture, so often, especially if you read the book of Acts, they believed and they were baptized. They were believed. 3,000 people believed and like seems like instantaneously, right away, as soon as they possibly could, they got baptized. They didn't take a class. They didn't memorize scripture. They didn't have to like go through 12 steps. They, they just like, since I'm a Christian, now I get baptized. And so um, it wasn't, it, it, they're so closely related as you read the stories. This is why some people have read the Bible and said, oh, I must believe and be baptized or I'm not saved. I think it's just because they were like, once I believe, I get baptized, and they did it so regularly, so closely together, that as we read the stories, we almost put them together like it's belief plus baptism that saves, but it's just belief that saves. I want to show you how Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, super, like, the clearest verses in Scripture. Now, this lines up with all Scripture. You're not going to find an area of Scripture that disagrees with itself, but this is probably the best way to say it. In Ephesians 2, he says this, it is by grace that you've been saved. Not, not baptism, not like 99% grace and a little bit of baptism, right? It's not like topping it off. You've been saved by grace through faith. And even the faith is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works. You can help grandma across the street. You can get baptized. You can give generously. Those things are great but they don't save you. Those should be the expression of gratefulness to God for saving you, not trying to earn it. There's no works that we can do. We say all through Scripture that only God saves because he's so nice, because he's so loving, because he's so graceful. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it, even if we get baptized. So we believe that baptism is not what saves you. It's what saved people do, okay? Also, it's a step of obedience. You know, Jesus says to John, this is what God wants us to do. It seems like even for Jesus, it was a step of obedience. He wasn't sinful. He didn't need to be forgiven, but he did want to go public with who he was. And boy, ever did he. You know, the Holy Spirit shows up and the heavens open up and it's this crazy scene. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, but everybody there did. And, and he went out of his way to say, this, this is what I've got for Jesus and this is what I've got 
for everybody. It's, it's simply a step of obedience that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus and calls himself a Christian, Jesus says, now go get baptized, just like I did. I got in line. John thought it was weird. I talked him into it, right? So you, hopefully you don't have to talk me into it. But if you have to, you have to. Jesus had to. So uh, he was baptized. He never asked us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. The Holy Spirit shows up. God the Father shows up. All three people are represented, uh, of the tr- all three persons of the Trinity, which is a confusing thing, right? We believe that there's one God who exists in three persons, and, and it's hard to completely understand that. So another one of those things that we just have to say, okay, God, I I get it enough to believe it. I don't get enough to really explain it perfectly well. But you don't exist like I exist. I'm one person. If I have multiple personalities, I need a doctor. But he has three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all there for his baptism. And then he tells us to baptize people. And he tells us to do it in the name of all three persons. So if you want to flip over or just look at the screen. At the end of Matthew, so we see at the beginning Jesus getting baptized. And then he commands us as followers of Jesus to baptize everyone else who becomes a follower of Jesus. So this is uh, after he's died and raised from the grave and before he goes to heaven and leaves you know, everybody in charge with the book of Acts to start the early church. This is what Jesus says to them in verse 18 of Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Okay, Go make disciples just means Tell people about me, help them put their faith in me so they're safe from their sins, then help them follow me. Becoming a disciple first means being saved and then growing in that relationship. This is what we do in our small groups, on our serve teams, on Sunday mornings. We cheer you on on your own. You know, we have the whole table called Next Steps because whether you need to get baptized or you want to join a Bible study or you want to start serving or you want to like help me figure out how to read my Bible, we just want to help everybody continue taking next steps because we're trying to do what Jesus said and help people be disciples and Grow as disciples. So go and make more disciples. And he says of all nations. So he's talking to a bunch of, you know, like Jewish people in one area. But he's like, you're going to take this to non-Jewish people and people that speak different languages and people that live on different continents. Go make disciples of all nations. And what does he say? Baptize them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we say it. You know, in my, my verbiage, I always want to be like, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I do the of the because that's what Jesus said, right? Like, I'm just, we, we try our hardest to do what Jesus says to do and to do like Jesus did. And so that's literally, uh, if you're at the Manuka campus, there's music going on. You might not hear it all. Here we've done it, and, and, and you might hear it. But that's what we're saying every single time because that's what Jesus said to do. And then he says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So at his baptism, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit show up in power. And when he says us, baptize, he says, do it in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because God is actively involved in every single baptism. This is a step of obedience saying, if I believe in Jesus, then I'm going to do this. Now, some of us get hung up because we're like, well, you just said I'm saved, so I don't need to do it. And you're, and you're kind of right. We don't think that if you don't get baptized, you miss out on heaven. We believe that when you put your faith in Jesus, like Paul says in Ephesians, it's only by his grace through your faith. When you believe that with all your heart, you ask him to forgive you for your sins, and you say, I want to follow you with the rest of my life. Boom, you're saved. He, he's not like, okay, you're almost saved if you just go get the baptism. Like that, that's, that's not like checking the last box, but it is a step of obedience. And I don't know what kind of magical power is unlocked in that, but I do know this. All through Scripture, God rewards obedience, 
and he withholds rewards for disobedience. You can read that in the Old Testament. You can read that in the New Testament. And it's not always like, I'll be rich and famous, or I'll be super comfortable, or I'll get what I wanted on my Christmas. It's, It's not always, his blessings are not always exactly what we wish they would be, but I believe that he knows the best ways to bless us. So I'm not saying like this is a way to butter God up and get what we always wanted. All I'm saying is, if you're like, hey, I'm a Christian, and I've never been baptized, I don't want to overly pressure you, but just enough, right? Like, you should go ahead and do it. You, you should go ahead and say, this is what, if, if, if I agree with, with our church, what we believe in Scripture, that everyone who believes should go ahead and be baptized, then what's stopping you? Don't, don't miss out on that simple step of obedience. And I don't know what kind of magical power that unlocks. I'm not trying to prophesy that over you. All I'm saying is, don't let that be something where you know better and deliberately disobey your heavenly Father. So the takeaway today is simple. If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, I want to challenge you to get baptized. And when you do, I promise you, your church family will cheer and be proud of you and excited for you. And more than that, they'll be encouraged by you. Because you're going public with your faith. Jesus' baptism was public on purpose. And, and we'll have you do that too. Uh, we're not as fancy as the Milka campus because we live out of trailers, but we got a sweet horse trough, or Joyce calls it a cow tank, which I think sounds worse, so we'll stick with horse trough. As far as I know, no animals have actually eaten out of it, but it, it's enough to get your body wet, right? And, so, and, and when you do, we want to cheer for you, and we want to encourage you, but you'll be encouraging us. Because you're saying, I believe in Jesus. He changed my life. You know, Allie, who read the announcements, she came to church on her own, first one in her family to believe and has given her whole life to God. Uh, I grew up in a family full of people that went to church. But my story is the same as Allie's. We both needed a Savior, and he changed our life, and he changed our eternity. And if that's you, I want you to get baptized. If that's not you, if you're like, I've never believed in Jesus, I don't call myself a Christian, then we want to convince you to give your life to Jesus. You could do that today. You can do that this afternoon. You can do that. You know, but why wait? If you've become convinced that you have a sin problem that only Jesus can solve, he's the one Savior of the world, we want to just encourage you to take that step of just opening up your heart and mind to God and say, I believe in you with all my heart. I need your forgiveness. Forgive me for my sins. I want to follow you with my life. You can make that decision right now in your heart. You don't have to do 17 other things. We believe that it's only by God's grace through your faith. So when you activate that faith and you believe in him, he forgives you. You can do that today. You can do it later if you want, but I I recommend not waiting. And if you do that today, we want you to get baptized too. It's not like you got a six-month grace period or something like that before you're allowed to get baptized. In Scripture, they're like, hey, there's some water. I I just believed now. Can I get baptized? They're like, yeah. These 3,000 people, it almost sounds like that day. Now, I don't know how they've organized 3,000 people all at once to get baptized, but somehow, you know, maybe John was dead by then, but whoever was doing it, and they were busy, right? They are just a long line of people, but we want to baptize you as soon as you're ready. There's no, like, uh, period of growth required when you truly believe. You know, there's no perfect Christians. Until we get to heaven, we will all struggle with doubts and sins, and we want to continue to grow and continue to believe and continue to be forgiven, but there's no perfectness required to be to be baptized. So I guess part of what I want to say is talk you into uh, putting your faith in Jesus and becoming baptized like he did. Today, uh, yesterday night and this morning, we've had several people at our Manuka campus being baptized. These are young and old, just saying, I love Jesus. He changed my life. I'm going to get baptized. They're able to kind of tell their story in a video. So next week, I've got some of their testimony that I can share with you. But if you're here and you want to get baptized, I want to invite you to get baptized next Sunday 
right here in our service. We got the tank in the trailer, so we'll get the hoses out and fill it out. So seriously, I don't know if you've been a Christian for six seconds or six decades, but if you're like, hey, you know what? I want to get baptized. Uh, you know, we do baptisms throughout the year, and you can wait till whenever, but if you want, we'll do it next Sunday. And so uh, after I pray, I, I want you just to come and say, hey, put me on that list. And whether you're the only one or there's a handful, uh, we're, we're so excited to just offer that. You know, we, even in the video, we, we do baptism, uh, Discover Baptism, a class where we basically tell you what we believe and why. And, and you all just took the class, okay? So I knight thee done with the class. And if, if you're like, I believe in Jesus and I want to be baptized, we would love to do that next Sunday in our service. And, and uh, just give God all the glory for how he's working in your life, how he works in all of our lives and how we get to celebrate that. So I want to pray for us. And if you're like, hey, that's me, then um, come forward. I want, just want to get your info so I can follow up with you. Basically, I'll tell you to like bring clothes and a towel. And then next Sunday, we'll be ready to, to baptize people. And that, that will be awesome. So uh, again, I don't like to overly pressure people and twist your arm. You know, what do I got to do to get you into a baptism tank today? Um, but a little bit of pressure. I just want you to do it. Don't let anything stop you, okay? And if you're just like sick or out of town next weekend, then you can wait till our next one coming up because we do it throughout the year. But uh, if, if, if you feel like that's what you should do, then, then we want to help you do that, and we'll do that next week. All right, so would you stand with me as we pray? And if you are here and you don't call yourself a Jesus follower, I would love for you to come forward and ask me about that. Or whoever brought you this morning. Or someone else that you meet in the hallway or at the next step table. Because the thing we get most excited about is helping people be forgiven for eternity. And you can make that decision today. And we want to celebrate that with you as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. Um, because we get to show up. And you show up. You're here before us. And, and you're here every time. And, and we thank you for the way that you just minister to our hearts. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place and that by his resurrection in our faith, we are saved for eternity. God, if anyone in this room has never made that decision, Holy Spirit, I pray that you just help them to understand their need for you and recognize the truth that you are the Savior of the world and that they would give their life to you and that would change the rest of their eternity. God, for anybody who's made that decision, who's like, oh, I guess I should get baptized, I pray that you'll give them the courage to just say, all right, put me in. God, we want to celebrate that. Not because we begrudgingly, but because we're excited to follow you. And so, uh, God, we know that you notice and bless obedience. We want to be as obedient as possible. Thank you that Jesus got baptized. That he always does everything he asks us to do. I, I just pray that as we read your word and as we come to you in prayer, we will be reminded of how pure you were. Never hypocritical. And always for us. So that you could lead us and minister to us and then use us to minister to others. So God, uh, I pray that as all of us go this week to our homes, to our jobs, to everywhere we go, uh, that we'd be full of your spirit and telling people about you for your glory. So God, we give you the rest of this week and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, if you want to get baptized, come talk to me. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week.